Hi, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the We Belong Here podcast,、uh, powered by Civic Commons. And we have a special episode today. We are actually partnering with our、uh, partners, the Evergrey.、Uh, Evergrey is the Evergrey is a great daily newsletter in Seattle, and we are partnering with them on a series of flights, series of events, virtual, live, etc. And this is actually part of that. So our focus this month is really on recovery around COVID. We're thinking about economic recovery. What does it mean to turn the corner? <clears throat> How do we all get back to a place where, not just where we were, but better than where we were, is really the way I want to frame it. And so today we have、uh, three amazing guests, and、uh, in a second I'll have them introduce themselves. But yeah, these are guests who are all small business owners, and they are local, and they've been working、uh, in the the city, the region. Uh, for years, and I'm just really excited to have them talk about their own perspectives as they run their own businesses and support businesses themselves. So we'll have、uh, Laura start by introducing herself. My name is Laura Kleiss. My pronouns are she/her, and I'm the founder and CEO of Intentionalist. We are an online directory, community, and intentional spending platform. For folks that want to discover, learn about, and spend like it matters, in support of the diverse small businesses at the heart of our communities. Nice, thanks, Laura. And Laura's actually the very first guest that we've had who is a repeat guest. So I'm really excited to have Laura back on the show for the first time, second time now. So this is great. Really happy to have you, Laura. So thanks for being with us. And last but not least,、uh, we have Ren. So Ren, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm、uh, Ren Caldwell. She/her, and I help run a、uh, community and movement called、uh, Strive and Uplift, which、uh, is physically in Seattle, but、um, we have、uh, members and、uh, movers all over the world.、Um, we kind of try to lead from a very value-centered place when it comes to.、Um, The fitness culture and fitness industry. Nice, and I've known Ren for、uh, a number of years.、Um, we share the ultimate frisbee community space, so we are both、uh, enthusiasts.、Uh, we don't play as much <laughs> as we、uh, support and coach. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. not as much of a, a of a player. I started playing in my 40s, which I feel like is not how most people usually do ultimate. But you know, <laughs>、mm-hmm. hey. Can't do it wrong. Can't do it wrong. It's for it's frisbee for goodness sake. Yeah, 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 yeah.、Um, well, thank you everyone for the introductions. I'm really excited to have you all here. And normally we have like a origin story、uh, question, but for this episode, we really want to pose a different type of question to get to know each other. And the question for I have for my guests is: I want to know about a business or store. Uh, that you remember going to either growing up when you were younger or as an adult, where you felt you really belonged, kind of like that Cheers moment, right? And I want to know how did this establishment create this sense of belonging? Like, what was it about this restaurant or a car dealership? Maybe it is that'd, that'd be really surprising, or、uh, a salon that made you feel like you were really a part of the fabric of that community. Like, who were they? Tell us a little about that place, and then tell us why you felt that way. And we'll actually go in the same order, so we'll have Laura go first. Once upon a time, many many years ago, there was a restaurant on Queen Anne 
called Perke No. It was owned by David and Lily Kong, two Chinese and Chinese Malaysian immigrant business owners who had opened their fine dining Italian restaurant in the Queen Anne neighborhood. My grandmother was a patron of the symphony and the opera. And one day she took me to dinner at Percano before we attended a performance. And walking into Percano was like walking into the living room of family friends that you hadn't seen in forever. Lily was the hostess and she always recognized my grandmother and then me and the rest of my family. She was warm. She was excited to share what the specials were and her husband, David, was the cook. And what was incredible was that they had found their way as (laughs) Chinese Italian restaurant owners and Their food was legit. David's Italian was legit. And they had this incredible atmosphere where all of the customers really did feel like family. Over the years, my family and I continued to go back to Percano. The restaurant eventually was displaced from Queen Anne and opened in the Green Lake neighborhood. And over the course of decades, I grew up, David and Lily's sons grew up, and yet our family continued to go to their restaurant to enjoy delicious food, but we always connected on a deeper level. And there was knowing and caring and sharing that went well beyond whatever was on the plate. And it was the joy that they brought to the business that they owned, the pride that they had in all that they did, and true love for their customer community that translated into friendships that endure to this day. And they've since retired. Wow. Laura, you are a storyteller, which is, I think, just, that was an amazing story about uh, Hurricane No. And I have never been. Um, where in the Green uh, Lake neighborhood is this? Or are they, have they retired? Are their children still running it? Or is it gone? It has closed. Oh, that's so, just coincidentally. It closed fall of 2019. Oh, before COVID even hit. Hmm. But it was located kind of just behind the Kid Valley. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I know. Now I know what restaurant you're talking about. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing that story. And thank you for honoring their their work and their love for food and community uh, in that story. Um, It'll always be a special place in our family. I believe it. Hallie, I would love to hear your story about an establishment or a restaurant or store that you really felt like you belonged to. to. Yeah. um, When I think about a specific business, nothing 
uh, popped out for me until I thought about the place that where I felt at home. And that was in the theater. Uh, mm. when I, and I, I grew up in New York city. So I grew up going to theater and my father was in, uh, film. So I, I kind of was surrounded by arts, uh, as a kid, but it, my high school was a off, off Broadway theater. And when I was a you know teenager before I graduated high school, I got roped into doing sound for some production and, it was from that moment on that I felt like that's where I belonged. And maybe, you know, also I'm a queer woman. So being in the theater environment was also very comforting, even though I had no idea at that time that I was gay, <laughs> that, but it, it, it creates a sense of, it created a sense of place for me that uh, I have always felt comfortable. And so it's nice that it's all over the world. Belonging, I feel like, is a basic need, right? If we don't feel like we belong, in fact, when we're born, if we don't belong to someone, right, we're going to be, our, our lifespan is very short. And so we need to belong to someone to be cared for by someone when we're born. And I think that's kind of true as we keep continuing to develop. We need to find that community. So I'm glad that you found yours, Hallie, for sure. Uh, Ren, uh, please let us know what is the what is the place or store or restaurant or uh, business where you felt like you you belonged. Well, I've changed my mind like about five times since um, everyone else started talking. Um, so you're getting my most recent um, thought, uh, which is that I I didn't really belong anywhere when I was younger. Um, I grew up in Florida, and um, I wasn't a very typical kid. Um, I didn't look like anyone else in my family. I was extremely um, hyperactive. Um, I was a tomboy. Um, and so I, I was just kind of a, I was a, an oddball. Um, and so I originally, my first thought was like, I'm going to tell you about something for a, a place when I was in college, because I feel like that's the first place where I went where I felt like, oh, there's other people like me here you know, so I had to get to college for that. But then I remembered, um, I grew up a dancer as well. And um, I also grew up doing martial arts. And uh, it was one of the only things I ever did with my dad um, was martial arts. And it was a Vietnamese style called Kung Nu. And the master of the style uh, escaped Vietnam um, in the sixties and came and landed in Florida. And so the master of the style was actually, uh, the founding school was the school that I, the dojo that I was a part of. And so, um, it was this really amazing experience of being, um, of going to these classes with my dad, um, and being like, you know, 10, 11, 12. Um, but every Tuesday, the master of the style, uh, who was also a philosopher in his own right, would give these talks and um, would share his philosophy with us. And um, I grew up a very strict Christian and, again, didn't really fit in with that, didn't want that, um, but was really drawn to the kind of philosophy that he was kind of espousing. And um, as soon as as soon as he ta started talking about spaces, it just made me think, how it felt to walk in the door, what the wood smelled like, like, and it wasn't, 
it wasn't like it was, I mean, it was like a rec center basically, but like I would walk in the door and it would like the, the smell, what I would see, the, the vibe, just the atmosphere, the energy of the space, um, was so wholly different from any other place in my life and felt it was one of the only places where I was around people of color. Uh, my hometown growing up was very segregated. Um, but there were all kinds of people that were taking martial arts and, um, I don't know, it wasn't a place like any other. And I think it gave me a sense at a time when I was, had never felt like I belonged anywhere of like, well, I could belong here because I'm different, but so is everybody else in this place. So we can all be different together. Um, and it, it gave me a lot of, uh, it gave me confidence that, uh, there would be places in my life where I didn't feel so alone, I guess. No, thank you for sharing, Ren. That's, um, it's, I, I appreciate the vulnerability of everyone sharing because, you know, it's, you know, you can talk about the, the, the place that you went, like Laura spoke about as a family member, as like, you know, grandparents, a place of really like just closeness and love and like community. And you can also like, you know, we've had people talk about like, I didn't feel like I belonged. And when you finally do, that feeling though is so incredibly powerful, right? The fact that you can smell the wood, right? That you yeah. can like, you know, that feeling when you walk mm -hmm. in. And uh, there's something about it that's just, that can be explained, but also kind of has to be experienced, right? And so I think that's kind of the magical power of belonging. Um, so thank you all. This is, you know, this is an exercise we do. We always try to bring guests in to like just learn from each other. But by learning, we say just hearing each other's stories. And so I appreciate your stories and we'll have a chance for more. And, you know, the, our whole thing with the Evergrade this uh, month is really about economic recovery, uh, Jay Inslee, the governor of Washington, has recently stated that by June 30th, that all counties will move to phase three, which is a complete reopening of businesses. Um, so I wanted you all to kind of chime in. And maybe this uh, this round will actually go in a reverse order. So we'll go Ren, Hallie, and Laura. Um, but I want you to chime in and think about what does this mean to you, this idea of like the June 30th reopening uh, as a small business owner or supporter of small businesses? like. What do you, what do you still need from community, from government, from people in general hearing this podcast to understand or know as this reopening is happening? Like, is there hope? Is there fear? Is there worry? Maybe all of those things potentially, but I just kind of would love to hear you all just riff about this reopening and what it means and what you need or how, how, how do you hope to move forward? So Ren, why don't you tell us about, you can talk a little bit more about your business and tell us a little bit about the reopening. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I feel like everyone I talk to, like we all have mixed feelings about it. Right. Like, I mean, in some ways we were just talking about the power of spaces and how important it is to have places in your life where you feel connected, where you feel a sense of community. And um, I think that we strive and uplift we we had a gym space um where we felt like we really created a very intentional place and something that was different from a lot of other gyms out there um and had a um 
where it felt like you could come and be your whole self, whoever you were. Um, the only rule we had was, uh, you know, we, we welcome everyone, but the assholes and, uh, we stuck by that, you know, and, uh, it was devastating when we had to close. Um, but at the same time, it was like, well, how could we possibly support our community and stay open? Like that doesn't make any sense. And what we found in the closure is this opportunity to connect virtually has created so much more accessibility. Um, and we've been able to connect with people in an entirely different way online. You know, we moved immediately to virtual classes. Um, we rented out all of our equipment. Um, and we just took everything to Zoom, basically. <laughs> and um, then we had to let our space go in October. And so we're in an interesting place, you know, in terms of my personal business of what do we need? Well, it's hard to say. Like, I just had my first outdoor meetup with people from my gym this evening. Like, that's where I was before this, right? And like being able to, like we were at a park, you know, and being able to see them in person and just move with them in person. And, you know, some people kept their masks on. Some of us are fully vaccinated. We felt like we could take our masks off. You know, we were all outside. Um, just to see people's faces and experience people's energy. It's like you don't let yourself realize how much you miss it until you experience it just a little bit. And then you're like, oh, God, I really miss this. And I really want this. So in terms of what we need, I'm very concerned about the fact that we still have so many vulnerable people, so many children, so many immunocompromised people who are not able to, you know, join in this, you know, I'm fully vaxxed. Let's hang out at a bar thing. Um, I'm concerned for those people. I'm concerned for their health and safety. Um, I don't think I'll feel better until everybody can get vaccinated um and even then it's like i'm not sure how we're going to proceed we're starting to look for a new space i'm not in a hurry because <laughs> i don't know what's going to happen in the next few months um i'm personally looking forward to getting back to a lot of the small businesses that i haven't been able to frequent as much um to start hanging out with friends again. Um, but I think it's going to take a while and I think it's going to be weird. And I think we might have some step backs in, in addition to the step forwards. Um, but I've been really thrilled with the extensive community that I've been able to find this year and that we've created together. Um, and the sense of support that I have felt from my community um, I've been really like overwhelmed a lot of times, um, and very humbled and just so grateful. Um, so I guess we'll just, I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah. I mean, one, I didn't know that you had closed, like given up the space. I know you had closed yeah. in terms of not having uh, in-person classes, but 
you know, having friends that frequent your gym when it was a, a, a physical space and still frequent it now in terms of those online classes, like I just know what an incredible community has been created. And not that you created it yourself, right? But that you all created it together. It's incredibly co-created of a community. Um, but yeah, but I, I think there's something you said that I really like. It's like, like everyone just, just agree now. It's going to be weird. <laughs> it's going to be weird, yeah. right? Um, it probably always has been weird, but maybe we normalized or pretended to not be weird. But yeah, it's going to be weird for everyone. Mm. And uh, yeah, so actually I would love, you know, I had told our guests that we were going to do this sequence where we answer this question and then we'll go back and we'll ask people to kind of share their project that they're working on. But I actually think that goes together. So I would love you, uh, Ren, to tell us about a project that you have going on, anything that you want us to amplify or get out to the readers or listeners, readers, people don't read this. Uh, and then Laura and Hallie, when you go, you'll also do the same thing. So yeah, Ren, tell us like, what is something that you want to pitch? You want to tell people about? Um, well, I, I think that the thing that we would really love, um, especially because as we move towards more things reopening, one thing that we've noticed is that um, all of the gyms that were offering online and virtual movement classes um, are all shutting those things down because they're moving back into a physical space. And um, we've actually decided that uh, we're not going to do that, that the, the, the level of um, accessibility and connection that we've been able to get through offering virtual movement um, has been amazing and, um, we want to keep doing it. Um, we don't want to give up our connections with the people that we've formed and we, our community's actually grown this year. Um, we have more people involved and new people involved that, um, that don't live in Seattle or that, that, or that live in West Seattle, which is now, you know, we call it accidental island, right? Um, and so if we were to stop doing our virtual classes, we would lose connection with them, right? So we're actually going to continue doing it and we hope to invite more people into our community. Um, and we have all different kinds of movement. We have everything from, uh, yoga and Pilates to kettlebells and body weight, uh, workouts. And, um, we also have a lot of, uh, content around, um, we have recorded classes. So if you can't make classes at the time, you can watch them. And our classes are small. We have like three to eight people usually. Um, and coaches really get up close to the screen and give like real time feedback and everything. So there, it's a really pretty special thing. They're not kind of broadcast on YouTube sort of things. It's a very, uh, it's, it's like you're in the room. And, um, so we'd love to invite anyone who's interested in, in that, um, our, our group is very focused on, um, I mean, we always do names and pronouns and a, and a, a check-in question at the beginning. And, um, it's a community feel and options for all bodies. Um, and so, uh, if anyone's interested in, in checking it out, we have a free trial week that they can, um, do where they can get to meet all our coaches and and try out all the different things we have to offer. So would love for uh, people to join us. And your website is striveanduplift.com. Is that correct? Yes, that's nice. right. Do you have a, are you like active on any inst- uh, social media? Yep. We've got uh, Instagram mostly, but we're also on Twitter 
Um, and Instagram, we often post uh, workouts and stuff in our mm-hmm. in our Instagram stories. Um, but yeah, we've got a lot of great content that we give away. Um, and we also have flexible pricing uh, for our memberships uh, so people can choose where they are depending on their, you know, level of, of wealth or not wealth. <laughs> they can uh, adjust things as they need to. So. Nice. And for our listeners, we'll have all the, the links to the, the businesses and uh, social media uh, in the description. Uh, so please take a look at that. If you want to find a business that you are hearing about and learn more about it. Thanks, Ren. Thank you. Hallie, let's uh, hear from you. Like, tell us a little bit about how you're thinking about the reopening and what is something that you want to let our listeners know about. Start with the thing that's going to happen first, which is this cabaret show, which mixes it's uh, mixes a couple burlesque artists, a performance artist, a, or dancer, depending on what week it is, and a DJ. And it's sort of a dinner theater thing. Come for a three course meal. You're in a great space. You're having great food, great drink, but you're getting to see a show. And uh, I will say that. This afternoon, I actually danced for the first time to a live band as a, it was a fundraiser for something that was, that's going to be virtual. So the band was on stage in a club and me and my partner were dancing and I was like, oh my God, it just gave me goosebumps. So to see live something, (laughs) anything almost, um, yeah. Yeah. So I really look forward to it. I mean, we do, the ballroom has two main spaces. The ballroom is the biggest space. The other space is called West Hall and West Hall has traditionally been known for a lot of burlesque stuff that's done there. There's Christmas shows have been done there for years and years, but we're not, we're doing the show in the main ballroom. So it's sort of fun. These are all people I know and love as artists and they're just as nervous, I think, as we are not, not about getting COVID, but just like it's been over a year since they've done anything. So we haven't done a show in a year. They haven't performed in a year. We're all like excited and scared. All at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Any uh, names of uh, yeah. the, so, the dancers that maybe people know about and can get, waxy get, moon can get excited about? Possibly. Uh, so there'll be Waxy Moon, Sherdana, Shanatra, uh, Inga, mm-hmm. Mark Heath Wiley is dancing. He's also DJ Dark Wiley is his DJ name, and he'll be DJing some. And then um, mm. Annalise, her DJ name is DJ Nudie. And so those are sort of in that first mm-hmm. month, it's every Thursday night. And those are the performers that'll come in and out. And if it goes well, interestingly, Oh, that's my dog. Mm-hmm. Um, if it goes, if it goes well, we'll <laughs> continue to do it. Even though we could actually do the thing, we could do a dinner theater show and then throw a dance, which is what we used to do. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, waxy no, has that's been awesome. amazing. I, I mean, I have a long history of performing in the same shows with him and, and working with him. And he's been really great uh, at, or they have been really great at um, finding people and getting excited and helping. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. So okay, I'm excited. I mean, I, I expect us to keep moving forward. Although, you know, Every time I've said that in the last 14 months, I've <laughs> also gotten slapped down. So, I, you know, <laughs> I think we're going to be fine. I think right, the state is right. doing great. I think that the, you know, the country's moving forward and things will return to normal probably quicker than, quicker than I had imagined for partner dancing inside. Not partner dancing outside, but partner dancing is probably the hardest 
sitting in a theater next to people for yeah, three hours watching, sure. you know, Wagner is going to be rough too, but, but partner dancing where you're t actually touching person after person after person in a crowd is, is been a rough one yeah. to figure out what is okay. What do people feel comfortable with all along? So I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think that, Everybody has wanted some clarity about what's going to happen. And, and I think you said something that I, I'm not 100% sure if that, I, I think June 30th means we're open, um, no holds barred. I mean, like, I think we're totally open. Nothing is, I don't, there's no, I, I've never heard of, of, at this point in time, a fourth phase. Like, we don't talk about that. We talk about June 30th opening, which means maybe that's phase four. But there's, I don't think there are any limitations anymore. And interestingly, I mean, I'm still mostly mask wearing uh, outside. If I'm walking by myself, I'm not uh, indoors. This is sort of the progression for us now was CDC says, take your mask off. Inside is just fine. If you're vaccinated, I already had asked a bunch of students, are you vaccinated? And everybody in every class, except for one person in each class, had, uh, were vaccinated. So CDC says on Monday, Take it off. On Tuesday, Jeff, Dr. Jeff Duchin here in the state of Washington said, better, you, you should keep them on. It, you should leave your masks on when you're indoors in a crowd. Okay, now what do I do? Do I listen to the CDC or do I listen to Dr. Jeff Duchin? And I opted for changing my ways and going back to saying you're going to keep masks on during class. Because we're talking about a few more weeks, a month, whatever. And I was like, I get the point. I think the point is we're in this state, we're doing well and they don't know what's going to happen when everybody takes off their mask and goes inside with people. Um, and also like the vaccination, like checking that. So that happened. And I was like, okay, everybody wear masks in class We're we've been doing it this long. We can get through another month. Then we were like, okay, but why are we not throwing the dance? So we decided to, we decided to put out two dance. No, wait. First, we decided we would do a dinner theater show. So the dinner theater show was like a, just going to dinner where you sit down, you don't have a mask on each food and you watch a show, which is distance from you. And it's only a few performers and it's quick and you're in and out in an hour and a half. And it seemed like a great way to try something new. Then we thought as of a week ago, we're going to try two small dances. Now we're at 50% capacity right now. And the space that we're using only holds a hundred people. So we're looking at 50 people in a room. Um, cause we're still using the main ballroom, which is huge and would be 150 people, but that's still the dining room. So we, we decided to go with vaccinated only dances, still wearing a mask. And interestingly, one of the people on staff, it, I just sort of read through, he was like, why masking? If you're going to say unvaccinated, you have to be vaccinated to go to this dance. What's the point of saying you have to wear a mask? You know, if you're social dancing, you're going to be darn close anyway. <laughs> yeah. So it was a really interesting thing that now I have to ponder again. Because every mm -hmm. time somebody brings something up, and I've read the litany of things online and have, uh, where people have been like, I mean, one person said, I don't support businesses that require vaccination. And I, you know, I, I responded to that person personally and said, I completely understand that. Our, our other consideration was show us that you have had a COVID test recently and you don't have COVID. And 
then okay, maybe that would be a good way. Because I also don't like the idea of saying you can go to something and you can't go to something. But I, we're getting close enough. I'm my, for me, it was not herd immunity because I don't think we'll get there really, but it was having enough of the King County at least or the state of Washington having enough people have having had vaccinations for me to feel comfortable to say, okay, anything goes, anybody can be in here. And I might feel that way come July 1st. I might be like, okay, we're at 75% and great. Let's just all, it doesn't matter anymore. And I think that's what's going to happen. Um, so, and I think we'll, people will keep getting COVID in some way, shape or form, and hopefully it will be less deadly. So thank you, Hallie, for sharing, uh, you know, this idea. I have a lot of friends that actually go for salsa night dancing or used to. Uh, Ren knows Khalif. Khalif is a huge salsa dancer, was like, I think, president of UW's like social, like salsa, like dance club. And Lisa Neiman, Lisa, huge shout out to Lisa as a big fan, a huge salsa dancer. So I know there's a lot of people in my community that miss that community, but I'm sure they all are willing to wait. When you're all, you are already, and when people are already to go do that. So thank you. Well, our, our last guest, uh, obviously has her own small business, but that small business is actually predicated upon the support of other small businesses. So Laura, tell us a little bit about, you know, what you're thinking about in terms of reopening, uh, hopes, dreams, worries, and then what are, what is something that Intentionalist is doing that we can, uh, hear about and help you with? So the first thing that I want to say actually goes back to the prior conversation about belonging. And I want to say it because I know that for people that are listening, Century Ballroom and Strive and Uplift would be the businesses that they would talk about where they feel a sense of belonging and community. And I mention that because I think it's so important to reinforce the many ways that the brick and mortar spaces in our communities are places where we come together and connect and can feel that sense of being welcome and that sense of belonging that so many of us are looking for. And I say it as well because one of the things that prompted me to start Intentionalist was concern that the small businesses that provide belonging for so many of us were starting to wonder if they still belonged in our city. And I think that that's something that we have to continue to talk about because they are such critical third places. Uh, for a whole variety of different reasons, it's important for us as community, as government, as neighbors, to continue to make sure that businesses and business owners like Hallie and Ren and so many others continue to feel like they have a valued and treasured physical place in our city. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, that's uh, the whole point of this podcast was to bring in small business owners to remind people that what an incredible, important, incredibly important part of our fabric they are. So thank you for really um, just pointing that out even more so. 
Okay, now I'll answer the question. So as I think about reopening and the daily conversations that I'm having about recovery and what it looks like and how it happens, I think as excited as we all are, as as hopeful as many of us are, I think that we have to remember a few things, right? One, recovery isn't a date. It isn't a moment. It's a process. And I think that it's really critical that it's something that we approach with empathy. Because while the small business owners we love are looking forward to welcoming us back in person, to hosting uh, their first events again, I mean, we have to to remember that as we're re-engaging, these are people and families who in many instances have have endured a tremendous amount of loss and hardship. I think about business owners who closed, the bills continued to come. You know, I mean, imagine waking up one day and you find out you aren't going to receive any income, no salary for months, right? And then down the line, oh, you can breathe a sigh of relief because now you're going to make 25% of what you used to make, right? And this goes on for months. And so I think that it's really important for us as compassionate community members, you know, not not to let it sour our mood per se, but to hopefully just bring that knowledge and that empathy with us as we begin re-engaging with the small business owners in our community, because we want we want them to know that we see them and that we understand and support them for more than just the products and services that they offer. In addition to that, I think it's so important for all of us to remember how it felt as windows went dark, as boards went up, and how that feeling spurred so many of us to remember maybe ways that we've taken small businesses in our communities for granted. I hope as well that we remember the part within each of us that awoke as we remembered that we have the opportunity every day to try to make a member of our community's day a little brighter by reaching out, by checking in, by showing up when we can. And I think that for so long, the way that we talk about our economy has been predicated on more, faster, cheaper, on appealing to the part within each of us that thinks about 
me and what I need right this very minute. Because over the past year, I saw so many examples of all of us reconnecting with this other part that exists within us, that cares about our neighbors, that wants to be a part of a vibrant and diverse community, and that takes pride in showing up for people, not just as we intend to, but in a way that actually makes a difference. So I hope that people remember that where we spend our money matters, and that as we move past and through the date that has been set, it's going to be a process. It's going to ask each of us to continue to engage with one another with empathy and compassion and generosity, and that the everyday decisions about where we choose to spend our money really do matter. Um, so spend like it matters. Laura, is there a promotion or I know like each month, sometimes you do like different businesses or uh, places that you want to like promote. Um, is there something going on right now at Intentionalist that you want to talk about or like promote? I, I actually have something intentionalist related to promote great uh, for a change so for years our growing community has asked us what can we do to help support intentionalists what can we do to be wind in your sails so that you can continue to do what you do and so today we officially officially announced the Intentionalist Membership Community. Um, we had done a little bit of a soft launch at our three-year anniversary party. Um, and Ren uh, was among our first 10 members. Um, but really, what we're trying to do is finally respond to requests from our community uh, to both give them away uh, to, to chip in so that we can uh, keep our lights on and, and continue to do what we do, um, but also to be a part of a growing community of intentional spenders that want to coalesce more as a community, you know, beyond just people who follow us on social media or utilize our website. Um, so that would be thing one is check out the Intentionalist Membership Community. Um, we've designed it to be equitable. So similar to what Ren mentioned earlier about having sliding scale, um, the different tiers that we have delineated are designed to reflect our different capacities uh, of support. Okay. Two other quick things. One is it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And there are a variety of things that we've been doing this month. But something really cool that doesn't cost any money at all is to participate in an activation we're doing with Seattle Sounders FC, inviting folks 
to write a recommendation for your favorite AAPI-owned businesses. Every recommendation enters you to win a $100 Intentionalist gift card and some really cool Sounders FC swag. Um, we were super excited that Christian Roldan participated. Uh, so be intentional, be like Christian Roldan. Um, and I think that it's been really wonderful to see all of the words of affirmation pouring into our community because by design, our platform is about sharing what we love and appreciate about the businesses at the heart of our communities um, and nothing less. And then I guess the final thing that I would say is Pride Month is right around the corner and stay tuned uh, because we, we definitely have some fun things coming. Thank you so much, Laura. I um something you said earlier uh, that I really resonated with was the idea that you know when we think about the economy, uh, we always think about like uh, companies that kind of like you know I don't want to use words prey, but really like kind of like target like our current quick need, like our our pang, our like our quick hunger, and they don't really feed sometimes the the longing, the belonging, the connection that we really actually need, right? Sometimes we think so transactionally. Like, I am hungry. I want a chicken McNugget. I will get a chicken McNugget or someone that sells something like a chicken McNugget. Uh, for future podcasters, don't say chicken McNugget three times in a row. It's really hard to say and you'll probably have to edit it out. So, you know, it's, but it's like, I, the whole idea of like Civic Commons is like, how do we create this? How do we shift the narrative of the region towards a shared prosperity model around belonging, right? And that only happens when we, like you always say, like when you spend like it matters, right? And not just your money, but your time and your your connections and your network and to be incredibly intentional about that. And that's why, we, you know, with Civic Commons and Intentionalist, we've always had like a partnership, uh, mutual understanding, uh, affection, right? Because we really know that we're trying to do the same things. But, you know, with Ren, with Hallie, the businesses that you've created, the communities that you created, that you uh, curate, uh, be, are really intentional as well, right? You really want people to come in and feel like they're full selves. They want you want them to really fully enjoy meals with loved ones, with friends. You want know, them to dance with each other, and that's really a huge part of the human existence: is like eating, drinking, dancing, and just spending time and money with each other. So that's really wonderful for y'all to be here to talk to each other. I know Laura, you know, both our guests, other guests. I know Ren, you, uh, Hallie have never met before, but I think there's some history around where Ren got married. Used to be in the old space where, uh, you know, Tin Table and Century Ballroom is. So it's a small world. Seattle is a small community. The region is a small community still. Uh, but with that, you know, I'm just really thankful for all of you. I appreciate your time. I also want to shout out the big phony who always, uh, gifts us his music for our intro and outro. And with that, I just want to say, you know, thank you to my guests, uh, to my community out there, you know, always be intentional, always uh, really be believe in belonging and build bridges. Until next time, see you all later. <laughs> <laughs>